Welcome to Midlife Mastery Podcast. And of course, this is the show where we're looking for ideas and information and inspiration to lead a phenomenal second half of life. Today's guests are Jackie and Ray Hope, and they are on a mission to redefine what over the hill means and are a great example of people taking on new challenges in midlife. So rather than just settling into the comforts of middle age, when they turned 50, they decided to take on rock climbing, ice climbing, and mountaineering. And then they started Midlife Mountaineer to write and film about their experiences and share stories of midlifers pushing boundaries and shattering comfort zones. Now, you may not be into extreme sports, but you'll want to listen in as we discuss taking on the things that really scare you, dealing with your inner critic, and by the way, Jackie's puffy jacket story is a great example we can all relate to, overcoming the fear of starting something new and maybe looking a little bit foolish while we're doing it, being a good beginner and avoiding that comparison trap, which is really nasty when we get started and we're feeling like a total amateur and we look around at people that make it look effortless. Now, along the lines of redefining over the hill, I, I have to ask, have you heard the, the most recent episodes of Midlife Mastery? So we had Lisa Spears, who is a self-described midlife enthusiast. And I love that phrase. She had realized she had lost herself along the way through life and got started doing some of the things that she always wanted to do. And in the episode before that, Adrienne Schumann talks about creating an audacious change in midlife and the things that her and her husband went through to really set up the midlife that they wanted to have. Now, if you're ready to play bigger in midlife, let's get started. Welcome today. In fact, today's guest, we have Jackie and Ray Hope uh, from Midlife Mountaineer fame. And so Jackie, Ray, like... I can read your bio on Instagram, which is just adventuring, storytelling, redefining what's over the hill, redefining what's over the hill. I love that. So tell me just a little bit, how do you introduce yourself to people or kind of what, what is Midlife Mountaineer about? I, that, that's a lot of questions. Just jump in wherever you want. Well, first of all, Brock, I just wanted to say a huge thank you for inviting us. It's a real honor for us to be part of the Midlife Mastery podcast. And we're really excited to see other inspiring initiatives in the midlife space. There are really, really great conversations to be had about this time, this exciting time of life. So a little bit about us. We are Jackie and Ray Hope. We are the Midlife Mountaineers, and we are actively reinventing what we thought would be over the hill. We are in our mid-50s. We've been together for about 17 years, and we are proud midlifers who started doing extreme, well, what many would consider extreme adventure sports uh, much later in life than most. Up until seven years ago, we really, we both loved the mountains, but we really didn't know much about them and about these sports. When we were younger, before we met, we were both intrigued by mountain sports, but never really pursued them seriously. But when I was 46 and Ray was 50, that changed. And for us, mountains have become analogous to life. We all climb mountains throughout our lives, and these can be real and metaphorical. And we created uh, Midlife Mountaineer to tell these stories. You know, and you, you know, some some people might wonder, well, if you if you really like the mountains for so long, why didn't you go climb them? And one of the reasons is because we're right in the middle of Canada in the prairies, and so the closest mountain to us is. 
about two days drive and the plane ride away. And of course, during COVID, that's got harder to do. But yeah, we've been in love with the mountains for many years. And we took a trip 70 years ago to Japan. It was my 50th birthday. And Jackie had lived there previously for about five years. And while we were there, we climbed a mountain that Jackie had climbed when she lived there. And uh, so we both did it. It was more of a scramble type climb, not the kind where you're hanging off the side of a mountain, but more the kind that you'd walk up and use mostly your feet the odd time you have to use your hands. And when we got back from Japan, I just said, you know what? I want to do rock climbing. I want to do mountaineering. I had kind of put it off and it was just kind of like this switch uh, kind of flicked in, in our heads. And so for the last seven years, we've been very immersed in rock climbing, ice climbing and mountaineering. And so we got back. We joined our local Alpine club here in Canada. We have the Alpine Club of Canada, which provides a opportunity for people of any age uh, to get involved in the Alpine environment, which usually includes rock climbing, ice climbing, skiing, and uh, mountaineering. And so we got fully immersed, starting off with ice climbing because we came back at uh, the end of October. And so we were just hitting our winter season. So we started ice climbing. We have a 60-foot tower uh, smack dab in the middle of Winnipeg. And uh, we ice it in the winter, and we're doing that actually right now. We were there today icing it. And then we start climbing it for the next few months. And then in the summertime, we started rock climbing. And a same pretty much group of people doing both. And different groups that tend to go out into the mountains, because again, it is a much larger expedition for us. But we started doing that after about in our third year. We rock climbing, ice climbing for the type that we started off doing, it's actually quite safe. We call it top roping. So there's a rope that goes up to the top of your climb back down. And so someone's already always got you on a rope. So if you fall, you can literally let go. In fact, when you get to the top, you, you do let go and then they lower you down. So it's quite safe. You can do more advanced climbing, which we've gotten into to some ex extent. But when you get into mountaineering, that was definitely outside of our comfort zone. We were not used to being in exposed environments where there's a drop-off that goes hundreds or thousands of feet down without any form of protection on us. We have lots of protection when we ice climb and rock climb. Even if we're 100 feet, of feet up, we're usually connected to the rock. But when you're mountaineering, you tend not to be. And so we found it quite uh, challenging to become comfortable in that type of environment, which we have done over the number of years. I have to just add to that, that I was uncomfortable with it all <laughs> at first when we first went to, so in, in Winnipeg in Manitoba, where we live, we're very lucky now as ice climbers, because even though we're on the prairies, we have a local community that's very active in ice climbing. And this community has created a nice tower in the middle of the city. So it's very easy to see when you're downtown. But the first time we went to the, the ice tower, Ray was going to try it out. And I said, there is no way that I am going up there. But I saw how much fun he had and uh, tried it out. But all of these sports for me were way outside my comfort zone. I used to get almost a vertigo feeling when I was at height. And that took some persistence to to get through and but I loved the community I loved the sports and so we were both really committed to to learning and um, getting stronger in these sports and now I think for both of us being at the edge of a cliff was pretty scary 
as it should be. <laughs> it should be scary standing at the end of a cliff, at the edge of a cliff, but even tied in to a safety line, I would be nervous. And now that is that feeling is gone. You know, it's, it's quite funny. I have a, someone I know who is a psychologist and I I talked to her about about that fear and I said, is there anything that you could suggest to me to help me with, you know, kind of getting over that fear when we're doing our climbing? Because we were starting to do some some climbing that would be more risky. And she said, I actually can't. (laughs) Like, it's a very natural and productive fear to uh, die climbing or falling off the edge of a mountain. So there's not a lot I can actually tell you. Now, you know, we've we've learned over the years that there's actually a great graphic, you can find it online about where the magic happens. And so if you imagine a circle, and inside that circle is written your comfort zone, and then there's this other smaller circle, almost like a moon, that's outside of that comfort zone circle. And there's an arrow point to it and said, that's where the magic happens. And it is, you have to really be able to kind of get outside your comfort zone. If you want to experience whatever that magic is for you, which is part of what the the midlife mountaineer concept is about. And so we purposely kind of put ourselves into situations where we're not too outside our comfort zone, but we are going outside our comfort zone. And we've learned there's one saying it's competence gives you confidence. And so our goals have been to develop confidence in the things that we're doing. And through that, we have been finding that we've been becoming more confident in our ability to do the climbing and also in that kind of in that exposure that previously we would not have been comfortable, you know, in. Yeah. So I went on a helicopter tour this summer in Sedona and never been on a helicopter before. I hate heights. My, even though Rationally, I was safe. My lizard brain spent the entire time screaming at me. So yeah, yeah. So the the thought of kind of taking on not not just outside of your comfort zone, but but a challenge that is well, there there you, you mentioned it, it's extreme. There, there's the threat of death, or at least your brain perceives the yeah. threat of death, yes. and, and so. But we all ha- have our things. I grew up racing motocross. My wife competes with horses. Other people would say, you know, those are a little nutty and yet those seem totally rational and sane to me. So it is kind of what you're used to and what you're comfortable with. And what I'm so intrigued about your story is this isn't something you grew up doing. Like this isn't, you know, you were when you didn't start it when you were young and didn't know better, didn't know that this was a dangerous, silly thing, right? <laughs> and you, you've taken it on and, and that's pretty cool, you know, pushing way beyond your comfort zones. And so, you know, for everyone listening, you may not be wanting to run out there and start mountaineering or any other extreme sport. And so I appreciate that, that Ray, you had mentioned, or maybe Jackie had mentioned, sorry, just the, the metaphorical aspect of midlife mountaineer and, and, you know, whatever it is you're trying to push in your comfort zone, kind of pushing that. So, well, actually a couple of things. So, so one of the things I, I want to talk about, so recently, uh, Jackie, you had a, a, a blog post just about you and your giant puffy jacket. And it ties in nicely with pushing comfort zones, even ones that that maybe aren't as extreme. And and so can you just give a quick summary of what that post was about? I sure can. Yeah. So this was actually, I think last week, a couple of friends and I, we, a couple of girlfriends, we went out to Northwestern Ontario. And this is a place where some other friends of ours have created some wonderful outdoor playgrounds. They've flooded some of the cliffs out there with effectively made them into waterfalls, waterfall ice. 
And so we um, drove out onto the ice, very safe. We checked and we spent the day by the cliff climbing. So one of the differences for me this past year is that I've been training pretty hard. You know, when you're doing these sports and when you're in your 50s, it's important to train because we can injure ourselves. We can injure ourselves at any age, right? So I've been training a lot. I felt really strong. I did a lot of climbs that day, far more than I normally would on the first day out. And we felt really powerful. There we were, like a three women team independent setting our anchors and I had just set my first anchor independently I tend to rely a lot on this guy here beside me because he is he has some certifications that I don't so I had set my first one was feeling great and so my friend Erica she sent uh, pictures at the end of the day and I have this giant puffy jacket it is the I'll give a little shout out to Patagonia. It's the warmest thing I've ever owned, but it's giant. <laughs> it's giant. It's puffy. <laughs> so she took a picture of me. I was at the top of the cliff, having just set my anchor. I was getting ready to rappel down a cliff of 60 foot cliff of ice. So, you know, I was feeling pretty strong. And she took another picture of me later in the day, and I was belaying. Um, belaying, for any of your lis- listeners who don't know, is a system um, that we use with harnesses and devices where we can safely lower a person that's climbing and we can control control their descent. So I was belaying her, and she took another picture of me, and I was. I just looked at that picture and I thought, wow, like that woman looks cool. She's midlife and she's breaking the mold and look at that puffy she's wearing like she just she's rocking it but I saw the other picture at the top of the cliff and my first thought was I'm a giant I just looked giant with that puffy and I thought that person is uncool she should not be wearing that puffy and so I was thinking about this that evening and I thought what am I doing to myself? I, you know, I think we we speak to ourselves in ways that we would never allow others to speak to us that way. And we would never speak to others that way. So these negative voices in our heads that that challenge us that we we shouldn't be out doing the things. We shouldn't be out challenging ourselves and trying new things because really we're somehow posers. And this is a voice that I have struggled with for a long time. And I, as a young person, I remember being in phys ed in high school and feeling completely unathletic because we had a, we had a teacher who was a a marathon runner and every class we did long runs and we did not train for those runs. We just had to run. And so for many, many years, I, because I used to get sick after most of those runs because, you know, we didn't train for them, but I remember feeling for much of my life, I am not an athlete. And that little voice came back to me when I saw those two very different pictures with the same person, you were not an athlete. But we are athletes. And these are this, this is part of that pushing through that comfort, that discomfort zone in some of those challenging voices that come to us throughout our lives. But I think in midlife too, we we are not immune to those, those types of thoughts. And I made a promise to myself that evening that um, 
I'm leaving that behind in 2021. And we are doing all the things and we are loving all the pictures of them. <laughs> Giant puppy or not. <laughs> well, the psychology is it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because, I mean, you're, you're doing a, an extreme life or death kind of activity, like you're, you're belaying someone so they don't fall and get injured or worse. You're wearing this medieval looking set of crampons. That is the most <laughs> aggressive set of crampons I've ever seen. And you're having a good time. I, like, I mean, it, it's just kind of a really a badass thing. And yet what goes through the brain yeah. is... Oh, this isn't me. I don't like how I look at, you know, in the jacket. Like, it's just such an interesting contrast mm -hmm. uh, of extremes of anyone from the outside looking at it would not think anything other than, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> but of course, we bring our own voice to it, don't yeah. we? And it was interesting because there were several friends that reached out on Facebook and they talked about their giant orange puffies or there are other <laughs> giant blue puffies. And they said, we never look at others and feel this, this way. We think, wow, they're, they're doing some pretty extreme stuff and look at them go, but our inner voices are so different. And so that is what we need to fight against. Well, when it's we talk, when we, when we talk about inner voice, I mean, so what are some, you took on a, a both of you took on a new sport, Late in life, definitely push comfort zones. I mean, Jackie, you had mentioned that like you didn't even like heights. So you, you had to really push comfort zones. But I guess so So for someone looking to take on new activities in midlife, and I think that's a great thing to be doing, to kind of pushing ourselves, challenging ourselves, just trying something new. What lessons do you take from that? Or what advice could you give to others who are looking to or thinking they kind of want to do something new? But of course, you know, We've all got our habits. We're all set in our ways. Taking on something new can be scary sometimes, mm -hmm. especially the way you two have approached it. You took on a scary something new, so that, that's <laughs> even cooler. So, so Ray, Jackie, what, what, what advice would you have? Yeah, no, great question. We When we approached this, one of the things that was important to us, of course, when we're doing something more extreme is our safety. We're going in knowing virtually nothing about climbing. And so we wanted to find experts, people that knew what they were doing. So that way we could help keep ourselves safe. There are individuals out there. You can even get certifications in the area of the stuff that we do, and they can help manage your risk. And so finding experts, whether it's managing the risk of falling or making sure you don't overdo things and get hurt just by, you know, overdoing it. So one thing that was really important to us was finding experts. We knew that we were coming in as beginners, but in a lot of ways, we're not. We have a we have a lifetime of experiences. Many of those experiences are they translate to what we're doing. So we know about gravity. We don't have to be taught that if you fall, you're going to get injured, right? We're not 25 year olds that will that will heal overnight. You know, it's going to be over the year to heal, potentially depending on what happens. And we have had a couple injuries and falls that we've had to recover from, and, and they take a lot longer for sure. And so we definitely know that we're coming in in a beginner in one respect, but also not a beginner. And so we wanted to make sure that we were not forgetting all those life lessons that we have that we can bring to the table. But we had to, especially with something where, where kind of physical risk is involved. So we want to make sure that we find experts, people that can keep us safe and, and kind of guide us down the right path. So we're not going, when we first started climbing, we found that we would have friends of ours that were climbing, our new friends, and we would have some tell us to do it one way. And another person would tell us to do it a different way and say, whatever you don't do, 
Don't do it that other way. And you're sitting there saying, I don't know who to trust. And so you have to find people that you can trust. Some things I'm doing for uh, photography and filming right now, not as risky if I go down the wrong path. I'll waste a lot of time maybe, but it's not uh, the consequences aren't as dire. But finding those experts, those people that you can trust. When we started, a lot of things that you're going to be doing are scary to you, even if it's, again, nothing that's uh, extreme. Uh, it's scary and it's easy to give up. And so kind of, I've always said the price of admission for something worthwhile is a lot of pain, anguish, anxiety, frustration, et cetera, but you've got to push over that. And we found that that's where mountaineering is a good metaphor for life, because if you want to go to the top of that mountain and get that view from the top of the mountain, you've got to be the one climbing it, right? You're not going to get helicoptered off. You can do that too. But if you really want to have the, the value of that view, it's not by sitting on the summit. It's the trip up to the summit and all the scary points along the way, the hard points along the way. And the one thing we found is it's worth it. And so the prize to get up to the top of that mountain and over the mountain. We always say it's not just important to get to the top. You have to get back down as well. Not everyone gets back down. So it's important that you can do the round trip and you've got to push through those hard times. And so we found that one of our biggest lessons was to have perseverance through the hard times. And that's true in life as well. So both for the physical and the metaphorical mountains. We hit some, something there and one of the fears that I that I find that people come across, and I mean, you can just translate that as one of the things I find that I come across, is you know the the fear of looking like a novice. You know, when you're trying something new, no one wants to look silly. No one wants to be the one doing like the hundred percent wrong thing when everyone's looking around going, what is that person doing? And, and yet, of course, obviously we all look like novices because we're novices, right? <laughs> right? We're starting something new. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to avoid it. So, and maybe that wasn't a fear of yours. I, I don't know, but if it was, what, what's, what's your advice for, for kind of addressing that as you are taking on this new thing and you will be new and you will look new at it. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. One of the things that I think is really important when you're getting into something new like this, especially when you're in midlife, um, and many of the folks that are doing this sport are quite a bit younger than we are. It's quite a multi-generational group. And it can be, you're right, it can be intimidating starting something new where you are a novice, but we really have had to learn to be good beginners. And looking to experts who might be a lot younger than we are. We've learned from people half our age. We've learned, in fact, my first, my first teacher on, the, on a rock wall in a school was 25 years old. And we're, we're, we're friends with him. And he, he, was, he was an excellent teacher, but being really open to learning from you can learn something from everybody you meet, being open, willing to learn. And I think always reinforcing that you're really being brave, trying this new, this new activity. You're not a poser. You know, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to be intimidated by people who are really, who are really uh, experienced in these sports. I mean, we have friends in our community that have climbed the seven summits and, but it doesn't mean that we aren't mountaineers because we don't, 
climb to that level. So I think that, yeah, learning to be a good beginner is so important. So I, I like that thought and it's a good, it's, I haven't heard it phrased that way. And I really like that phrasing. Now, when you say seven summits, mm. what, what, what are the seven summits? Cause I, I can guess, but I want to make sure I'm right because I want to talk a little bit about comparisons then. So, so what are they for those? Who oh don't gosh. Know? I don't know if I can name all of the summits, but it's the tallest on, on all the continents. Okay. So Mount Everest um, is an example of one of the seven summits. So, so tallest mountains, tallest one on each continent, including Antarctica then? Yes. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of an accomplishment if you're hanging out with people who have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that's a very, very small group of people who have who have actually c- completed that, done all of those. So how do you avoid or not get bogged down in comparisons? You know, the I'm not worthy um, I'll never get that far. I might as well give up and just go do something else. You know, what, whatever those comparisons are when you start, I mean, that's, you know, rank novice comparing to pro level. And those are such different playing fields, but yet you're, you know, in the same group together. So, so how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it, it can be tough. Like when we first started, we came in having got to a point in our lives where when you take on something new, it's usually a continuation or, or an evolution of something you've already done. And so you come in the master or you become in the sage almost in some cases uh, of what you do. And then when you take on something brand new, you're not like you are, you are like at the bottom, at the beginning of, of that, of that, that in our case, that sport. And there's a couple of things that work against us. We are never going to climb to the level that the 25 year olds are going to climb. So we are not, uh, whether or not we climb Mount Everest, that's that's a whole other thing. Lots of people do that that are in their 50s. But for the, the kind of rock climbing, ice climbing, the really hard stuff, we're not going to do. And so coming in, one thing that we, I think, probably learned through this process, but we would definitely tell other people is just be realistic in your expectations. So you're going in, ask yourself, where do I want to take this? And we did this, you know, probably in year two, we started getting more into mountaineering and said, okay, mountaineering could be climbing mountains in the Rockies, but then it could be climbing Denali, which is the the tallest mountain in North America, or it could be doing something like Everest. And we have, again, a friend who's climbed Mount Everest. So where are we going to fit in that? And so we asked ourselves, and we we had to be okay with that. And in fact, with the, the level of climbing that we do on rock, we're not going to do those hard climbs they have a decimal system like 512 would be a pretty hard climb. We're not going to probably climb at that level. We could really work hard to do it, may never get there and be very frustrated, you know, trying to get there. Or we could, and then when we get there, then what? When you're 25, there is a then what, because those people usually go on to other things because our then what is something different. It's just for the sake of doing it we're driven a little differently. And so we started off asking ourselves, where do we want to take this? And we're, and then we had to be realistic about what we could actually do. And then that's what we've been pursuing. And in a lot of cases, it's just for the enjoyment. People say, why'd you climb the mountain? Because it's there. That's really why we're doing it. Others, I think are doing it for other reasons, because they want to do the second of the seven summits and the third and actually get to seven we don't have any particular goal in mind other than just continue to learn and grow. And, and where it takes us, is it where it takes us? And I think that's something that's probably different than a lot of our friends that are younger than we are. 
I have a friend who does ultra marathons and I, I always appreciate that he and I can talk about running. I'm never going to run an 80 plus mile ultra marathon at all. I mean, I will run a few miles, but he's supportive in the way that, that I'm kind of hearing or inferring from, from what you're talking about, that we're able to have the same conversation because we're doing the same sport, even though we're playing on vastly different levels. And there, there's no judgment there either way. I'm in, I'm in awe of what he can do. And he's excited that I get out and run. And that, that's kind of <laughs> where, where it's at. And I, I think that's one of the things that perhaps we often miss is that if we're willing to be that good beginner, people are excited to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, no, no, no one is out there actively running out to put the beginner down rather at least from my experience, most people are more than willing to, to help pull them up. We found in, in this community, I mean, it's almost, we almost can't imagine a time when they weren't in our lives. Like they, mm-hmm. we've been doing these sports for seven years now and they're some of our closest friends. We, we see them every weekend. We're out doing adventures with them and it's been so wonderful to be part of this multi-generational community where everybody brings such different life experiences to the table, but we're all there rallying around this activity that we're all um, so passionate about. It's been a really great experience for us. And in Midlife Mountaineer, one of the things that we've started over the last year is films. So Ray is our resident filmmaker and we want to tell the story of some of these incredible midlife people who are doing they're accomplishing things that you know when they were younger they may not have even thought of doing or it might have been a childhood dream that they never realized when they were younger but they are going after it now and there're just so many people out there. I know you've met you've met many of them through your podcast, I'm sure, just from listening to it. But they're just there are just such amazing stories out there. Yeah, the, one one of the advantages that, that I've noticed in midlife is that often we you know as I was getting at least in my life as I was getting to this point, I, I never seem to have time and money in the same place, right? <laughs> Either I had money and no time or I had time and no money. And that plus opportunity has opened up some new things for for me. And I'm I'm just thinking about it through through the lens of what you're doing. I mean, you mentioned you're on the plains. That's not a natural place you would think of. Hey, let's start mountaineering. It's it's just, it's kind of inconvenient. There's not much opportunity. And yet you mentioned that, you know, you've got an ice climbing tower right there in the middle of town. So you've got the opportunity that you may not have even considered or known about if you hadn't started looking into it. And I expect there's just a, a lot of things for people in midlife who are looking to start something new that there may be opportunity out there. They're just not aware of as they're at a point in life where they maybe have a little more spare time and, and maybe can afford some gear or whatever's needed to, to get into it. And uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about kind of the, the storytelling piece. I mean, so, so Ray is, now, photography and filmmaking, is that something you've done or is that just kind of a late in life interest? Yeah, that is less than a year old. <laughs> so <laughs> so now I, sh- I should caveat that a little bit. So a couple of years ago, we were climbing at the uh, tower, which is our ice tower. And I decided to, tr- I bought a drone and I thought I'm going to uh, try to put together some, some footage 
that would, it was mostly to promote things. So, you know, video is becoming the, the more common way of, of promoting things these days. Pictures are becoming, you know, almost passe in some ways. And so I, there's a concept called phone and drone. So you, you put footage together that's specifically from your phone and a drone, but not from regular cameras. And so I got some lenses that you can put onto your phone just to kind of do a little more with it. I got my drone started flying it and I put together some neat stuff. But what I found is for the really good shots I want to get, especially climbing, I wasn't really getting it with my phone. And I wasn't going to, like some drone shots, they still do, but the phone wasn't really cutting it. So last year in 2021, in January, with COVID, you know, being full on, we weren't traveling anywhere. So we started to pile up a little bit of money that we would have used for vacations and stuff. <laughs> and so I said, you know what, let's get a real camera. We were trying to do some stuff and the phones weren't cutting it anymore. We're doing a phone on, on ice climbing in the prairies because everyone says, where do you ice climb in the prairies and so we say well we have a 60 foot tower and two hours east of here is the canadian shield which is very rocky these are mountains that today are not as high as the mountains in the rockies but you know probably a couple million years ago they were bigger than the rockies they've just been worn down but they're great to climb in and so we went out and tried to do some filming with the phone and the drone and it just wasn't cutting it this last january so we went out and we got a camera and then we started getting lenses and we got lighting equipment and sound equipment and another camera. And so now we have a full production studio ready to go. And we put together a couple trailers, a couple short videos, we're working on another one now, and then the larger one uh, that we want to do. But up until a year ago, last year at this time, I was afraid of cameras. There's aperture and ISO settings and things that I knew kind of what they meant, but it really freaked me out. And so I, I never got into it. I never took the time to learn. And now I feel like a complete master of it. Like I, 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 there's very little that I don't know about my camera. I'm doing night photography and doing some time-lapse or night-lapse photography. So things that a year ago, I wasn't even thinking of doing it, to be honest. And now, yeah, we're into it. 100% Jackie's helping as well. We we're making lots of mistakes. Mm -hmm. So this is the beginner part, right? We, we are beginners. So we film, we forget to turn the sound on. So we got lots of good footage, but no sound, vice versa. And so we are kind of earning our strikes one, one step at a time, but it's fun. So it's, again, this is a non-lethal version of the things that we're getting into, but, but it is also coming with its share of frustrations and challenges and also victories. So and there is an article when I, when we got into mountaineering and we wanted to get over some of the fears, I did some research. When I was younger, I had dyslexia. So I, I did things backwards and they say you never actually get rid of it. And so I did a lot of reading on dyslexia and, and, and things surrounding fear and, and exposure and things like that. And I read this article about getting over the anxieties that you have starting something new. Again, it doesn't have to be climbing or anything, but what this group did, this was a uh, research that was done and they followed people climbing Mount Everest. And it was a large enough group to be statistically uh, valid. And what they found, there were two outcomes from the study. One was people that came in with anxiety had a less chance of actually making it to the top of Mount Everest or getting through whatever that thing is they're trying to push through. The other thing they found is people that didn't celebrate successes along the way also had a less chance of making it to the end. And so what I took from that is try to, you know, lower, if I'm feeling anxious, try to find a ways to get rid of that, but also try to claim victory when I get those little, take those little steps and I get that one film, maybe that one film sucked that I did, but then I did another one that really worked, celebrate that success because 
that will position me better to take that next step. And so, so I would say, especially when you're doing things that are more scary, look for opportunities to break things down and claim some victories that you can celebrate because it will get you invigorated again, get you more excited again to take that next step. Cause some of those are going to be big steps. And that's a really nice reminder, Ray. I am kind of pro level at not celebrating the, the small victories. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's a lesson I'm hoping to learn at some point because it keeps, you know, showing up, coming back to it, just that I, and I'm much better about it. I kid a little, I'm better about it than I used to be, but just, you know, it's kind of the idea like, well, I mean, that was a success, but it wasn't like the big one that's coming. Right. Or I, I got the success, you know, I, I completed this thing, but I haven't really done it yet. So I'll wait until after I do it for a bit to be able to say, okay, yeah, it was a success. And, you know, after a while you realize like I'm celebrating nothing. <laughs> like this isn't fun. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, anyway, for, so for me, you know, kind of aside there, that has been such a, an important life lesson and a great reminder that, yeah. I mean, yes, we want to get to the big thing, but there's so many little milestones along the way. And we probably ought to be having fun along the way to whatever that big thing is we're trying to create. So anyway, great, great, great reminder there. And, and so, all right. So I love you. You took on mountaineering and then, Hey, just let, let, let's take on video making photography. <laughs> so is there something new in the works or where is all this heading or you're hoping that it heads? Well, we are right now in the early days of Midlife Mountaineer. We launched in February, but we're, we're now we're working on some big, uh, bigger film projects and some smaller films. Ray, do you want to talk a little bit about the films that we're working on? Yeah, and so when we launched Midlife Mountaineer, we wanted to tell stories, and so a couple of different ways we can do that. One is through the written word, and so that's what Jackie has been more focusing on. She's doing blog posts, and what we found is. We have the posts on our website and we typically make those the larger topic items, uh, but you really have to get on Instagram, Facebook, things like that more frequently. And so Jackie is also focusing on those. So she's doing those things that are out there kind of once a day, once a week or whatever. And then we do our blog posts for things that are slightly larger. And I, I can't remember if we did a, the, the giant puffy jacket was on a blog post as well. It was on a blog yeah. post. And I think the... The blog for me, one of the things that I've learned over the past year is that, you know, this has been such, the past few years have been so difficult for everybody. It's been this collective trauma that we've all been through. And there is just so much stress. There are so many experiences that we share. And in the blog, I wanted to, I want to share some of the experiences that we've had as midlifers, because I think the more that we talk about the the life events, the the feelings that challenge us, the more that we can bring them to the light, the less power they hold. And we're really we're the we're the same in so many ways. We struggle with the same things. And so how can we put our voices out there in a way that can help people? But we really, you know, we want to put we want to put some good out in the world and Midlife Mountaineer is really a way that we can share inspiring stories and hopefully inspire others to go and do some of the things that they've always wanted to do. 
And so a couple of ways that we've been looking at doing that. One is through our blog posts, through, through social media, and then through film. And so we've taken on a couple of projects in this last year, maybe on the larger side, that we were inspired by. One is the, the ice climbing in the prairies. We think that that's a story that needs to be told. People know about it, but uh, we think there's a lot of unique aspects that not everyone knows. We want to tell that story and do that through film. Uh, The other story that we're putting together right now is a friend of ours who in his 50s is realized a childhood dream of owning a World War I replica plane. This is the biplane, like the Snoopy kind of plane, uh, the Sopwith Camel. And so in the last few years, he was able to make that a dream. And, And very much like you said, Brock, he, over his life, either had time but no money, and it just never came together for him, but he carried that dream forward. And then maybe about four years ago, he was able to make that dream a reality. He found a plane down in Ohio, drove down there, had to go through a lot of challenges to bring it up into Canada for all kinds of reasons. He had to put the thing together and then very risky like us. He had to then put his faith in himself in that plane and then fly up into the wild blue yonder and which he did. And, you know, a real great example of someone who took a real big chance at making that childhood dream become a reality. So we want to tell that story. We actually have been filming that now for you know, probably yeah, half a year yeah. or so, and it'll it'll take a while to put together. But those are the types of stories that, that are we we think we they would be better to be told through through the through video rather than through the written word. So we're and we're looking for both opportunities. Mm-hmm. So let, let me ask that this is going to sound wrong, but I'm not thinking of a different phrasing. Why, why bother? And I, and I don't mean that in any kind of negative sense. You could be off having fun, enjoying life, mountaineering, ice climbing, all of that. And yet you're committing substantial amount of time and effort to documenting it, to telling stories, to writing, learning new skills, all of that. So what what's inspiring you to do that? And by the way, I think this is a really, really cool project. I love the idea of telling the stories of people in midlife who are doing fantastic things. Yeah. So, well, a good example, an unfortunate example is very recent for us. One of the, one of our friends who we have been doing interviews for, for ice climbing recently passed away and very sad, you know, for that, because he was actually the first person that belayed Jackie when we went on Real Rock. Uh, so we were very sad for, for that loss. But because of our filmmaking, we actually have a lot of film of him. And so when we are putting stuff together, we get to go back and look at that film. And we get to make sure that we incorporate him in the story. And that's something that we pro- we wouldn't have been able to do. And so it's always surprising, you know, when we're going down these paths, you know, we, we go in with one intention, but there ends up being all kinds of uh, these, these benefits that we get out of these things that we do that were never anticipated. We couldn't have contemplated the friends that we have today that we, as Jackie said, they're the ones that we spend most of our time with. So we couldn't have imagined that we would have these friends today that seven years ago, we didn't have any friends that we knew that climbed. So, and they have become our, our biggest friends. So while we are chasing these dreams. It's, you know, again, going to the mountaintop, 
the goal at the end of the day is not really to get to the mountaintop, is to push yourself beyond where you thought you could go. And yes, you get to the mountaintop, you get the great view, but you could have bought the picture. You know, you can go to the, the visitor center and buy the picture. So it's not really that. It's the ability to say, you know what, I did that thing. And, and I have these experiences and these friends that come along with it. I think I would add, you know, our with our friend, like Ray mentioned, he was the first uh, person to belay me. And I believe that his encouragement got me up that rock face because it was so challenging. And um, he was such an excellent teacher. And there was just so much wisdom. And I think midlifers bring a maturity to their reinvention. Ray tells a story about the the song by Joni Mitchell, Both Sides Now. And when she sings that song in her early 20s, comparing that to when she sings it in her 50s or maybe even 60s, we saw that song, a different version of it in the movie Love Actually. And when she sang it the second time, you really felt it in the second version that she had lived so many experiences and that she had seen the world from both sides now. And so for us to capture those stories, capture that wisdom is super important for us. And also I would add that what we're doing now is a way for us to number one, stay active as we're getting older, but two, it helps us to scratch that creative itch. Both of us were musicians in past lives and this filming and storytelling in, and the blog, it's a way for us to bring that creativity back into our lives and that artistry. I think, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Love it. And like, like I say, I, 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 it excites me that there are people out there like you who are getting those stories told. You know, it just a big part of starting this podcast was not seeing those stories told, not having great role models out there, at least not visible ones, you know, not just, it, it doesn't get much attention. And so I, I, I love the attention being brought and, and the care being brought to it. And I love that you're not just documenting it, but you're out there doing it as, as well. And the, you know, the, the mountaineering and the ice climbing and all that. Well, as we start wrapping up today, so people who want to find out more, find find the blog, find some of the, the films that you're working on, what's the best way for them to track you down and interact with you? Yeah, they can uh, visit our website, uh, www.midlifemountaineer.com. And on our website, we have our blog, we have several trailers for our film that are posted there. Listeners can also join our community. They can subscribe to our mailing list and they'll get the first notifications of any new postings that we have, any new films that we're putting out. We They can follow us on Instagram at midlife underscore midlife mountaineer. And we would love to, we're building our dream and we would love to have more midlifers join us and learn about what they're doing and reach out to us and say hello. Well, fantastic. Well, any questions we ha haven't answered today or haven't asked yet today? I think one of the things that I would add is I think many of us have a very inaccurate perception of what we're capable of. 
I think mountaineering has taught us that. I remember, oh my gosh, going on our first mountaineering trip, we were, of course, with guides and a big group of people, but physically it was very challenging. And the feeling of standing up on top of that mountain is something that I, well, physically it's something that I never, ever thought I could do. And perhaps had I known before I went what it would feel like, maybe I might have made a different decision, but the feeling was incredible. And it's possible to completely reinvent yourself in midlife and accomplish things you'd never dream you could do. I mean, if somebody had told us in our 30s and 40s that we would be running a blog on midlife and starting a filmmaking company, essentially, we would have thought they were crazy. Ice climbing, rock climbing, mountaineering. I don't think that would have ever crossed our minds back then, but it's possible. And you, while you might think you're starting from the beginning, midlifers aren't starting from the beginning. They're, we bring a lifetime of professional knowledge and experience and wisdom that we are able to translate into new environments. And so to be able to harness those experiences, it's so possible to bring them to something new. Yeah, yeah. One thing I just wanted to go back to, we're talking about Jackie's giant puffy jacket, <laughs> just to follow up and something that occurred to me while we were talking here, Jackie had mentioned that one of the shots was at the top of the cliff and one was at the bottom of the cliff. And so when Jackie was at the top of the cliff, what we typically do is we create an anchor and we have bolts that are set into the rock and you build an anchor on that, you put the rope into that, and then you, you what we call rappel down and you connect that rope to your, your harness and then you lower yourself down the rock face. Uh, that is one of the most dangerous activities in rock climbing. Many people have met their fate because they repel off the end of the rope. We usually put knots in. People have not, and they've they've repelled right off the end of the rope. Where we're climbing, that's not going to happen because the ropes are longer than the climb, so all good. But you you might make a mistake as you're connecting yourself to that rope. And so Jackie had not done that on her own up until the point of the puffy jacket incident. And so, <laughs> so while Jackie, you know, I think was focusing on the puffy jacket, really to me, what was a, a huge milestone is that Jackie built her own anchor without me there because I've all, always been there otherwise. So that was the first time I didn't go out. It was a ladies only thing. And so Jackie went out and she built her own anchor and then she set had herself checked. had it checked by others. Yeah, Jackie <laughs> built her own anchor. She had it checked. She set herself up to repel down that rope and then safely repel down that rope. And that was a really big milestone. I remember the first time I repelled down, you you your biggest fear is that you've missed one thing. And again, lots of people they've clipped, there's two ropes that you clip into both sides of the rope. People have clipped one side, not realizing they didn't clip the other side. And then it just basically unravels. So lots of things can go wrong. There's many parts to getting it right. And Jackie did it, which is, is fantastic. So uh, puffy jacket, really important, but more important to me <laughs> was that Jackie crossed a big milestone. Well, and that's a nice tie back to what we were talking about of just celebrating those milestones, celebrating those Absolutely. successes. And, and it's amazing how we will distract ourselves and kind of miss the, you totally miss the big picture yeah. uh, of the really cool thing we just did and get caught yeah. up in, in something that 
is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. And it's a very human thing. And, and that's why I brought it up because it's such a great story. Cause I think we all do that. We all miss the big picture and get stuck on little things that just, yeah. just don't matter. Yeah. And so, so thanks for taking us back to that, Ray. And well, as we wrap up, this has been fantastic. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I love what the both of you are up to. So, so Jackie Ray, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. We can't uh, think of a better way to start our new year. Yeah, thanks, Brock.